Good morning, folks, or afternoon, whichever the case may be. Welcome to Old Ass Movie Reviews. I'm Dave. That's Scott. Today's movie is Star Trek Insurrection, starring Patrick Stewart and a bunch of other people that we know and love over the years. Jonathan yes. Frakes, who I think <laughs> directed it, if I'm yes. not mistaken. Yes. Uh, Brent Spiner, the ever-glorious Brent Spiner. Uh, Bar yes. Burton, Michael Dorn, Gates McFadden, Marina Sirtis, F. Murray Abraham mm-hmm. plays the villain in this. And he asked last night, "Does has he ever played a good guy? I'm like, no. I don't know that he's ever played a good guy, ever. Um, Donna Murphy was on Anish, Anish, I think Anish, is her name, yeah. the, the alien uh, lady. Anthony Zerb was the admiral. And then you had Greg Hen- Henry and some other folks bringing up the, the rear, as it were. Daniel H- Hugh Kelly, Michael Welch, and, oh, come on, move over. Mark Deakins, and a bunch of other people that I'm not going to bother going through all their names because, <laughs> well, they're just all character actors, and we're going to talk about the important people. Uh, <laughs> the important people. Well, let, let, let's start with that. You, you know, here, here we go again. Here's uh, Jonathan Frakes directing again. Um, right. Actually, when this movie starts, it it is billed as a Jonathan Frakes film. Yeah. Which like, okay, so he obviously put a lot into this. It's not his story. It's a story by Rick Berman and a couple others. Um, But I just want to jump to a text you sent me this morning is like, this is a great two part episode. And I'm going to agree 100 percent this to make the movie jump. Uh, I'm going to be all over the place, but to make them Mm -hmm. jump from episode to movie, this one had, I won't say holes, but it needed some things fleshed out a little bit deeper to, uh, to work a little bit better in a movie set, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, the, the sets reminded me of stuff you would have seen in, in the series, like the, the town that all the aliens lived in. It just really hit me as, as inexpensive. Which is fine. I don't. I don't it probably mind was. Um, but where they were filming at, I'm, I'm guessing either the Rocky Mountains or out in Norway somewhere. It looked, looked like like, fjord, like the Swiss Alps or somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I didn't look to see where they actually filmed it. I did um, not either. But it's showing here that the story was by Rick Berman and Michael Piller, and then Michael Piller got the screenplay. Okay. Credit. Um. All in all, I I liked it better. This is only the second time I think I've seen it. This is either my second I, or third, yeah. Yeah, the first time I saw it, I did not did not like it at all. Um, so this second time around, I liked it a lot more. I, I accepted a lot of little things for what they were, like the city, the town, and I accepted mm-hmm. it as a as something that should have been a two part episode. Maybe it was. Maybe Frakes and everybody were talking at one point. And, it's all good. See, look, just like the hollow ship behind you is the yeah. new village for the Baku. Yeah, so, right. Uh, <laughs> Which I did like that. I thought that was kind yeah. of cool. The thought of the hollow ship trying to get everybody off. I did yeah. figure out what was going on about halfway through. Mm-hmm. They, there's a line that is a dead giveaway. That if you're not paying attention, you totally miss. And I just happened to be paying attention this time around um, when they spoke the line about the the people leaving and, and mm-hmm. all that. And I was like, ah, okay, got it. So this movie, folks, 
um, takes place after the series. This is 1998. Right, yeah. I want to say, hold on. I'm going to look real quick. Do, 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 yeah, do, do, but do. it's um, yeah, 1998 yeah. was was the movie. So a little over an hour, hour 43 minutes, almost two hours. Right. It did seem a little long. And I think in a on a television episode, like two-parter, it would have not felt as long. It would have felt like a really good, solid story. But I, I just... I'm not sure what bothers me about the story mm-hmm. anymore. Like, watching it the first time, I remember thinking, boy, that's kind of stinky. Other than anybody... Everybody knows that socialism is not going to work and the entire federation and and all that is all set on that kind of thinking you know socialism all people are going to all work for the same good all well, this shows that is right? this shows why it's not going to work <laughs> this absolutely shows exactly why it will not work i mean the, the admiral was dirty he was making dirty deals the federation was making dirty deals i mean oh, this wasn't him were. alone i mean at the end, you start thinking maybe he took advantage of his situation being so. There's far no away. way he could have done that but, without but involving. There's no way, yeah, that admiral would yeah. have never gotten away with all the crap that he was getting away with. So, my, I guess my biggest problem is what Berman and Pillar have have done over the years, or were doing for a while, is Gene Roddenberry had this. You know, everything worked out. He never really said that they didn't use money. In the original series, you just figured that they worked. A, everybody worked a lot better together. Like the yeah. Russians still kind of had like when you have Chekhov on the ship, he's talking about how the Russians would invent everything. And they were still very proud. And, you know, mm. the Japanese guy was talking about, a, you know, Japanese and everybody knew their own culture. So the world, though, united wasn't necessarily. Um like all socialist and no money and, and, you know, new world order type stuff. It was just, everybody happened to have the same goal. Like, Oh crap, we're going to space. Okay. What kind of job can I get? Cause it was good for the economy evidently. Um, so my problem is that they took that kind of view that the Federation and Starfleet are this really good, Mm-hmm. solid thing and they started doing it in the series a little bit it's showing you how dirty starfleet could be um and they they really they really made it look bad and i think that's what bothers me i think you they they took away the good guys and the starfleet were the good guys and starfleet well, should yeah. always be the good guys federation should always be the federation like we are literally unlike what ronald reagan said when they said you know i'm from the government and we're here to help that's the worst words you can hear when the federation shows up everybody's happy that they're there if they know who the federation is and they they kind of took that away and and they did that in deep space nine i think they may have done it in voyager a little bit too Mm -hmm. i'm not sure um but they were so far away in Voyager, I don't think it well, really matters. You know, and and I get that. I get that because you've you've got the established uh, good guys per se as the yeah, Federation, yeah. but then you also have what science fiction is at its core is basically showing, flipping a mirror on society and saying, yeah, "Hey, yeah. look at this." So to me, it makes it very believable that the Federation would be corrupt, 
and everything because <laughs> I guarantee they would have went for this freaking deal. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I do get they where were, you're coming they, from when we when we go to Star Trek, it's already established. This is the standard. This is where yeah. so when you see that being chipped away, it's like, well, what's going on here? But then, you know, then why even have them at this point? You know? Yeah. At that point, it's just they're the bad guys too. So the Klingons are the good guys too. Well, I mean, to the, to the Klingons, uh, yeah, <laughs> the enemy is the, you know, our good but guys. You, know are bad I mean? guys. Like, yeah. you might as well just be Klingons. You might as well just be Romulans. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, I think that's my biggest problem with this I, movie. I get it. It really, it really took the little problems that I was already having and really expanded mm -hmm. it. However, with that said, I did like the story a lot more this time. And I think had they they really let you know that this admiral was basically on his own like maybe maybe the federation told this admiral hey go out there and see if you can work up a treaty with these people you know maybe maybe we can work out a deal and he was just like fuck that i'm gonna take this shit kind of thing you know that if they would have worked on that a little bit more i think i would have been much more okay with it you know yeah. because then you would have you know a guy just abusing power which yeah Duh, it happens. Look around. But I think that that would have I think that would have worked better for me in my in my way of wanting to see the story played out. Um, what, what do you think? How, how do you think? Uh, does that make sense? That they It makes sense. I, un I understand. I understand your take completely. And I get other people may feel that way. For me, it doesn't really matter. Um, I, I like a good sci fi story. I, I right. guess I've never just focused on them being I the good guys i mean they are right, right. of course but it doesn't it doesn't surprise me when i see them do something that we know what that we see happen every day and every yeah, world government know, acts the same way <laughs> you know would really happen if they had that kind of power and yeah, access you know it you know it so it's, it makes it believable but i also you know we watch movies for fantasy and to escape mm -hmm. and you look for the good guys that there it's yeah. this, this is like the the you know the, the that's it yeah. I'm looking for the good guys, and I want my good guys to be good guys. I want to be able to I know who your good, good guys are. Yeah, I want my new federation, my my good guy federation, to be the good guys. Yeah, I don't want them to be the good guys, kinda. So what you know when yeah. it suits them, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. if you're only good when it suits you, you're not good. Right. If you're only doing good while you're being filmed or watched, you're not a good person. Yeah. So that that's I yeah. think that's what kind of no, I get me. it. I get it. Um, there's a I lot do like this sense. story, though. Yeah. Yeah. I like the thought of the story. I did. I really did. Yeah. Especially when you realize how long these people have been living on this planet. Um, yeah. Do you want to give the quick synopsis? Because I, yeah, I tend um, to start telling and going on and on, and my world's fallen. Both well, you fix your world because uh, <laughs> subspace weapons have been outlawed. David and your tear in the space time continuum right now will not be tolerated. <laughs> and that's why we don't have subspace weapons. <laughs> exactly, eject the warp core. Anyway, uh good lord, you wouldn't have Star Trek without destroying the Enterprise or ejecting the warp core. Um the, two this is the first thing. time I think they successfully ejected a warp core. Is though. it really? Maybe it's Janeway so. who would eject the warp core. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe I got to check that. I said I've watched yeah. that entire series. Yeah, that but uh, basically, uh, this movie has a race of people called the Baku who live on a planet, and um, they are being 
What we don't know is what's going on in the background. Uh, there's a race of people called the Sona, or Sona, or Sona, and uh, uh-huh. they're aligned with the Federation to to harvest something out of the rings of the planet. It gets very convoluted, yeah. very. But here's the thing: the stuff that's in the rings of the planet regenerate tissue and um, are keeping the Baku forever young. Um, they're not aging anymore. They've actually de-aged to a certain point. So. Yeah, so they are forever young, and um, you have, basically, as we find out as the movie goes on, the the Federation is working hand-in-hand to harvest this stuff, and they're trying to relocate the Baku. This is very much an allegory for so many forced migrations through history, which Picard points out just blatantly. I mean, here it is. This is, you know, here's the synopsis of the movie. Uh, And But that, you know what? I actually liked that he did that because he's like, yes. it's never worked. Yeah, exactly. And he goes like the stuff that happened on Earth, but then he also uses some <laughs> other, like, yeah, she's sneaking around. Uh, she He also uses some other, you know, metaphorical stuff from mm-hmm. their timeline. And I yeah, thought that's kind of it's, you know, it's Star Trek. Star Star Trek is going to give you a message. Star Trek is going to give you some moral to a, to the story. So right. I, I I expect that uh, absolutely. And I just thought this was really well done. I mean, he just flat out said you did. There was no trying to figure out what the message was uh, in this one. It was very very obvious because he said it, and you usually you don't sure. see that. But uh, this is for me. Um, Well, I'll go back to the synopsis. Uh, right. I mean, I don't know what more to say without totally going through every well, section other than do what? But <laughs> we're going to destroy the movie for anybody. We're going to destroy the movie. But it, it basically Picard figures it out because data data is shot. And that's how the whole movie starts off. Yeah. It's like, what is going on? Data is um Malfunction by by the sona and um it causes him to malfunction. He goes into basically a failsafe mode, fight or flight, and he's fighting. Right. Um but and, it's funny because he's fighting the sona, the bad the, yes. the bad guys in this movie, and he's protecting the other the Baku, Baku. because mm-hmm. his sub subroutine is basically telling him, like almost like a subconscious this is what you protect this is what you fight yeah. and that's what he was doing and it was yeah. you know and then it, it came across not just the buck uh, not just the sauna but any starfleet because he attacks yeah. the enterprise i think doesn't he oh yeah 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 he, he, he does he does so but but once once that happens once uh once picard figures it all out and they decide to to intervene and save the baku and they spend time on the planet this is where you got your typical Jonathan Frakes episode movie. Yeah. He does the camaraderie and family family of this generation really well. And yeah. there was so much humor packed into this. I didn't realize, I mean, seeing Worf with a zit on the size of his on the side of his nose and and just because Riker just puberty again. Yeah. It, <laughs> and, and Riker's like, you Klingons don't do anything small, do you? <laughs> you know? No. Just yeah. Just on this elevator, he's so mad. (laughs) But there's just so much humor there. Um, Jordy gets his eyesight back. um, But (laughs) it was a good scene. There's some good stuff in it. Because I don't think Jordy had ever had any vision at all. I think he's always had 
prosthetic whenever he could see he always used the prosthetics yeah and and then all of a sudden his eyes are healing so the doctor takes the the implants out and his eyes are completely healed he's watching the sunrise he's like for the I've first time ever yeah yeah that's you a know, good that, scene that was a good moment that was a really that good, a good moment, moment. it is a good moment and it's funny because this time around i saw what was happening with the people in the room there, there's a scene when dr crusher and troy are talking on the planet and dr crusher's like have you noticed how your breasts are getting more pert and and data's just standing there listening and he doesn't under really understand what the hell they're talking about and then they're they both look at him and go is there something that you need he's like no i just came by to say hi kind of thing and walks over and then he brings up <laughs> to work I think it's Warp where he's like, have you noticed how your breasts are becoming more pert? And Warp just kind of shakes his head like, the hell are you talking about? But but it's funny because everybody is just starting to almost almost revert to a younger way of well, thinking. Well, Picard, um, instead Picard of the old... Especially. Yeah. <laughs> instead of the old classical music, he wanted some mamba or whatever. Yeah, you know, and it's yeah, like, what? What's mamba, happening here? Dancing around. <laughs> and that's a good giveaway. But another giveaway that's a little bit more subtle is when uh, Riker goes to visit Troy. He's like, hey, I need some counseling. And he's just like yeah. a little 18-year-old horn dog. I know, it's like, so funny. And he's like, he puts his head on her lap, and he's like, they're, they're sitting there talking. And she's playing with his neck at one point when they're really close to the planet. Uh-huh. And it, that's like the first giveaway. That's the first tell yeah. that something's not right. Because she's, she's kind of playing with his neck and flirting. He goes into the room, and he's flirting with her. And they're kind of flirting back and forth. And if you're not really paying attention to what's happening planet side, you just think these are the two characters that are, they're finally getting back together. They're right. you know, after all these years, but it was the planet. It was basically de-aging them. Yeah. And they would have de-aged to probably in their thirties because yeah. everybody on that planet was like 30. Yeah. You know, they all looked about 30, 35, maybe. Yeah, How and they were hundreds of years. Yeah, and they were like three, what they say, 369 years? Something like that, yeah. They've been on that planet. So, yeah, that's that was pretty cool. And it, like this time around, I noticed it, and I was I started picking up on a lot of the little, like, Worf, they're flirting, Jordy's eyesight, and other there are other people doing stuff, uh, like, in the background Yeah, that you see them doing that. You're like, that. why are they doing that? And then I was like, oh, shit, they're... They're not as mature. They're not thinking as maturely as they were. Yeah, that's it was actually kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's why whenever they're flying through that cloud, and they're like, "Well, can, you want to just keep going?" He's like, "Riker's like, hell no, we're gonna go kick their ass." <laughs> and, you know, that was a that was a guy who that was a teenage moment. That was a screw that. I'm not gonna run anymore. I'm gonna no. fight back. And that always... that was like, oh, that was good. I I always enjoy Riker in command. Um, yeah, and especially in the the Picard series on the on at least season three. Yeah, I'll still yeah. never forget him sending Picard to his room. Yeah, <laughs> get off my bridge. <laughs> oh my God, he was probably the only man who could have talked to John Luke that way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they would have had the cojones to do it. You know. Yeah, but, but a lot of the that's that's what's cool. You bring up Picard. A lot of little things here. Start mm-hmm. fitting into the Picard series. They do, man. No, nothing major, but like you and I had talked. Like, when the hell did the did the doctor learn how to shoot? And this, she's shooting the fuck out of everything, yeah. man. 
He's we're not starting taking to see any that from nobody. So you're like, oh, okay, this is that's where she learned to shoot. She was already she's kind of a badass already. Yeah, you know. So I thought that was interesting. So that was actually really cool. Um, well, yeah, because well, when we got to Picard, uh, you know, Doctor Crusher was just such a badass, and it's like, well, where did she yeah. learn that? And going back and looking, it's like, oh, well, she was already becoming a badass. Yeah. She was already running, running that gamut. Um, Worf, you can kind of see how Worf started getting involved in the the Secret Service or whatever the heck they mm-hmm. call themselves, uh, Section Thirteen or whatever it is. Thirty one. Because like of all the crap that was going on here. Mm-hmm. He may have looked around and went, you know what? Dude, I would have never thought that. I, I, Holy need shit. To, I need to clean some shit up. I need, I need to make sure guys like this don't get out of hand ever again. And he's old enough to where he could last a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, most most humans die after what? Even even then, 80, 90 years old. Yeah. Warp's going to outlive them by 100 years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he can keep his eye on a whole lot of shit. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So this this particular one is uh, well, we have one more after this, but on insurrection, I liked this more than I did the last time I watched it. Yeah, yeah. What I, like I would it have liked for the generations. Yes, absolutely. What I would have liked to have seen um, is this could have been several episodes. You said two part. Man, mm-hmm. there is so much here with the Baku, the descendants of the Baku, right. how they become right. the Sona, how they've maintained staying alive all this freaking time. Not very well, mind you. Uh, not well not very well. They're looking rough. Um, mm. There's a scene in there that's kind of cool where one of them reunites with his mother. Yeah, you know, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And it's just a minute, and it's not a close-up, it's nothing. No, they're off in and the distance, like, yeah. And everybody's talking like, no, you know, you gotta, you gotta make peace with the Sona. And the one guy's like, nah, there's just too deep. The the wounds are too deep. That you know, the hatred yeah. for each other are just too deep. And then they're all looking, and one of the Sona walks up to his mother, and yeah. he just, and he's he's been this big, rough, burly. I he's been probably the 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 more logical out of all of them. Mm-hmm. He was. He like, wasn't like, this you emotionally. Know, you knew this guy's killed a lot of people in his life. And he walks up to this little tiny woman that's got to be a full head shorter than him. Mm-hmm. And he just puts his head down on her shoulder. And you see him just kind of sliding down her, like asking her for forgiveness. And yeah. I was like, that's a really a good, good scene. And they stayed on it just long enough for you to go, oh. Yeah, yeah well, and then well they, done. they panned away to something else to where you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the kid making friends with, Data. data and of course data i mean god bless data brent spiner show data steals this movie like he's stolen every other freaking movie uh you know i always think picard's like the, the guy you know i always look at picard and go he's the main character but really when you look at it the most interesting out of all of them is always data mm-hmm. he was the most interesting out of all three series even when he wasn't there he was conspicuous in his absence but then you had spiner playing all those parts in in picard and then you see him in this where he's definitely a machine he hasn't hasn't quite gotten to the point where he's he could be a human he hasn't evolved but he still wants to 
and it's mm-hmm. just it's a really good a good movement m- moment i should say for him with that kid when they're in they're you know just playing well they're just trying yeah, to play. just playing um and I, I do i do like that i like i like seeing how I guess the way I've always seen data and this shows it even more is he embodies the curiosity of a child. Um, Always wanting to know and understand he's striving so hard to be human. He wants to know every aspect. And for, I have to give Brent Spiner so much credit because you see data, you know, data is an Android. He plays yeah. it to the point yeah. you know he's mechanical. I'd swear you could crack open Brent's head and there'd be Sam computer chips. But he gives just enough humanity in there that you see the the spark of life in Data, and that's yeah. it's really cool, really cool. And you know, there's something more to Data than just being an android, as we that's, see. That's why you can be his friend. That's why you can, you know, yeah. he's such a good actor and. <laughs> It's, and if there's a stupidest scene in the world, there there is a really stupid scene in this movie, and yet it still works in a really stupid way. I think I know which way you're going. When they turn on the music, and they start singing. Oh, I love that scene. <laughs> that to me is just one of the most stupid, ridiculous scenes, and yet it seems to work very well in the yes, context it that it's in. What scene did you think I was talking about? Him turning into a flotation device. That was a stupid scene too, but it was funny. It was a, it was yeah, a... I, 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 the thing <laughs> with the musical that Data, of course, was learning and try and practicing and rehearsing. That's what yeah. he did. He's yeah, learning like, things, but yeah. but when Picard looks over at Worf and says, "Do you know Gilbert and Sullivan?" Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had time I have to meet the... the whole crew. <laughs> and he looks at him like he's an idiot. No, they're composers, Worf. And he's like, Worf's like, what? what? Yeah. He has no I mean, idea where his captain's going with this. Exactly. Exactly. And it's kind of neat that they have, um, and this is believable because y- you think of that, it's like, well, why in this, that time frame, that many hundreds of years since those works, why is Jean-Luc listening to him. Why is Shakespeare still a thing? And I look and look, we're hundreds of years out from Shakespeare. It's still a thing. Yeah. It's still yeah. great works live. Will always and, be. Gilbert, Gilbert and Sullivan will always be around in some form yeah. or the other. As uh, we Shakespeare, I, th- I think, is going to always be, be Especially there. in the original Klingon would be good. Especially, in, well, yeah, the original Klingon, of course. Um Speaking of the original Klingon, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last, in the, uh, what was that, the the Final Frontier? No, not Final Frontier. First Contact? Uh, no, uh, yeah, no, it was the Final Frontier. The Final or... Frontier? Um, when, whenever they're talking about the, the to be or not to be, and he says it in Klingon, yeah. the guy who made up the Klingon language oh, yeah. you, you had to make up this. words because, because they there didn't was exist. no not. There was, you know, there was no word for not. Like you can't do something to be or not to be. There was no word for the word not, and he or yeah. something like that. And he had to come up with, okay, now what word? How how is this word going to work? And he had he had to go in and figure out how to how to say to be or not to be in Klingon. <laughs> I find it absolutely impressive and amazing that they did this for Star Trek. Tolkien did it for his books. Is the creation of a whole new language 
written and oral um, for for their works of art. I just find yeah. that just mind blowing. And I'm sure well, there's other things that have done it. I I can kind of get Tolkien because he was he was a linguist, but for you to do that with Klingon and there was no no real point to do it. There's no. It's not like Roddenberry was already trying to make up the language or anything at one yeah. point. You know what I mean? That somebody real that was a real geek, real nerd was like, "Yeah, we can do that." And so, and I know back in the late seventies, fans and I ha- I have a fan book around here somewhere. I don't even know where the hell I got it so many years ago. That somebody was trying to make up uh, a language for the Vulcans. Huh. So I don't know if that and then I had heard that they basically use Klingon and Vulcan interchangeable with each other. And it was just on how you spoke it. Was Interesting. Big difference. And I don't know if that's true or not, because I'm not a linguist. I, yeah. I, you know, I am nerdy enough to own the book, the translation for Klingon. <laughs> Traveling the Klingon. Book that's actually whatever. really cool. That's really cool. You know, <laughs> and I don't know why that just made me think of, I think it was on Enterprise. They had a linguist there. I forgot what her name was. Mm-hmm. And I just remember she was somebody, Yoshi or O. Yeah, Yoshi. Was it Yoshi? Well, see, I can't say Yoshi without thinking Mario Brothers and the Little Green Dinosaur. But uh, (laughs) so it probably was Yoshi. Yoshi. I'm almost sure it was Or Hoshi or I don't know. It might have been. Anyway, she was like a a human automatic translator. Yeah. And she would hear it and come right out. Then you have like Ahura. So there's always, it's kind of been a history of these linguists. Yeah. Uh, It's kind of neat. Kind of neat. I don't know why I was just thinking of Yoshi, but or whatever her name is. I vaguely remember (laughs) them talking about Yoshi. When they they had to meet the Klingons, and they didn't have the universal translator wasn't created yeah, yet. She had to be and the one. She had to be the one to go talk to him. And then they, I think they pulled that in uh, one of the Star Trek newer Star Trek movies also with O'Hara. Yes, or I had to go down and talk to him. I didn't like those Klingon designs. I thought they sucked. It's Hoshi. That, it's Hoshi. Hoshi. Hoshi okay. Sato. Okay. okay, there we go. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, I see. I like the original that that Enterprise series, except mm-hmm. for the opening music. Oh, it's the worst they, worst uh, theme song in Star Trek yeah. history. They they should have changed it for the fans. If, if they just taken the worst, vocals out, it'd been all right. Yeah, it's they, not they, a bad worst. song. It just doesn't fit, dude. It just doesn't, no, it doesn't. fit. It doesn't fit <laughs> at all. And they they knew better, and they did it just to piss on the fans. In my and opinion, they just... <laughs> yeah. At, at that point, just do what the fans want. It's a little thing. It's just a little thing. Like it you is. said, take the it vocals is. out. It'd have been and fine. Worst comes to worst, do at least take the vocals out on the sales for the discs and stuff. Yeah, that's me. That, that's yeah. It. I don't. I, that was thing. weird. And that's. I'll always go to it. It's like, oh my god! If anybody says, "What's the worst sound opening music anywhere?" It's yeah. Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, Enterprise. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've been watching the new, or not the new. I've been watching, rewatching Deep Space Nine. Nice. I'm up to I'm up to the point where uh where um what's his name has gone back to Earth and they're looking for the the changelings. Ah. How far have you gotten on that? I haven't got past the first episode because you had another subspace tear. Uh <laughs> but no, I'm I've actually I've been watching Battlestar Galactica and I'm well into the second season right now. Um so I'm going all the way through it again. So <laughs> My dog's just 
give yeah. zero fucks to do. So anyway, <laughs> before we have another uh violation of treaties on Dave's end with subspace weaponry. <laughs> and she's just I, standing there staring at me. That's what's funny. Yeah. She, she walked out and sta- stood there and stared at me like, what? I didn't do that. Oh, Lord. So, uh, Star Trek 9, Insurrection. I like it better this time. It is uh, It yeah. is a good one. It's, it's definitely better than the next one we're going to watch. It's a good episode. Um, yeah, the next one I have a lot of lot of issues with a lot more, lot and more than I do with this one. Not many of them are Brent Spiner. <laughs> None of them are Brent Spiner. Exactly. Um, it's just been a while what? since That's I've seen the it. Funny thing, like for all the shit the Next Generation did, I never had a problem with Data. I was always like, no. yeah, Data's a good character. I like Data. Yeah. And the more I watch him in these movies, plus with Picard, I oh. I realized in Picard, I think is when it when it really dawned on me just how talented that guy is. Like, I knew he was talented. He can but sing. my God. He can, act, he can dance. He can do comedy. He can do serious. And if you ever get a chance to watch it out, I think it's called Out to Sea. You were telling me about that, yes. Jack Lemmon in a... Um, oh, crap. The guy that he was in... Walter Matthau. Ah. Are, are on a cruise ship. Oh, and God. he plays the cruise director. Just folks, if you get a chance to watch that, if you can find it anywhere, I don't even know if it's for sale or if they they buried it. But just <laughs> just for Brent Spiner, watch that movie. He's <laughs> such an insufferable twat in that. It's not even <laughs> funny. <laughs> and that's oh. when I really started liking him. But to really see him in in Picard is like wow. And then you then we started watching these over, and I'm just like he gets the best lines. He what does. do you think, Mr. Data, when they're all getting ready to go down and Data's like, well, you know, you've all had this thing going on in space and it's it's affecting the way you think, except for me. And they all look at him. They're like, yeah, that's true. OK, what do you think? So basically, he says, let's go kick their ass, lock and load. No, no, he says, saddle up, lock saddle and load. Up. I know that was a good scene. <laughs> it's I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> basically let's go kick their ass <laughs> this this movie feels like you said like an episode um it's yeah. it's weird it's weird to me you had also mentioned earlier you weren't happy with the design of the enterprise i hate the design of this enterprise this is enterprise e um mm. oh it's a little it's too sleek too, and yeah and, and there again it goes into the whole star star starfleet and the Federation are supposed to be the good guys. And I, I know it's kind of stupid to have families on a spaceship whenever you're, you know, you could go to war. I get it. That, you know, the Enterprise D always bothered me in that sense. Like it should have, you're going to have families on this ship? It, you know, you're the flagship of your entire thing, right? So that kind of bothered me. But you also don't want to look like a Romulan warbird or a Klingon destroyer. And the Federation ships, to me, and I know the wars were going on. I know they had problems with Klingons, so the the cyborgs, the the freaking Romulans, and you know, you name aliens and the shapeshifters, and all those wars were going on. I get it, but I think the designer could have done a better design. Maybe, maybe sleeked out the D version a little bit more. It just this one just looked too military. It looked too drastic yeah. for me. Uh, 
that's that's me though again it's it's a little thing but it was one of those things that always takes me out like i love the original design 1701 that's Mm. that's my that's my jam that that ship is the one that i always want to see and they never bring it back and i'm like you bastards who needs it but yeah this one was just like too drastic like oh my god yeah no, I, I get it. Your your inner nerd is showing, but that's the beauty of Star Trek. Um, you you those are things that matter to you, and those are yeah. things that may not matter to somebody else. They don't matter to me, but I can definitely understand it. I mean, right, every, every, right. we have the things that we like and what we're set on, and it's like you know, because you, my God, dude, we're in our fifties, and I have I can't think of a time that I didn't have Star Trek in my life. Yeah, I can't think of a time that I Ever. wasn't watching Star Trek. Yeah, so the reruns, the it's black a big and part. TV, it's this, you know, this big. Yeah. yeah, having to change the antenna to get it to come in yeah. on Channel Fifty or or Channel Twenty in Detroit. Um, so yeah, it's it's it's, it's tough. It's to always see there. Somebody just poop on your <laughs> on your child. Well, we, we, you know, we have our expectations, and yeah. we love the the property so much. We want it to be good, and when it's not perfect we're mad <laughs> See, I had a, yes yes very mad especially when you get the guy's species wrong that created warp drive but that's fine it's fine yeah, yeah stuff it's like fine. that fine yeah fine alpha centauri it's fine <laughs> i'll never forgive them for that and, I, and I get it. Guy, See, I didn't like, know yeah, that. So it's like, ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> biggest problem I ever had was, and I would let them know, there, how you like them apples? Yeah. Damn. Damn. Came back at you, didn't he? So like that. Speak, speaking <laughs> of problems, speaking of problems, up next, Star Trek Nemesis, the final mm-hmm. next generation movie. Um, so many problems in that movie. Yeah. I think just there are some coming. good parts. There's some good there's parts. There's a lot of neat stuff. The, the basic overall story. Could have worked. Solid. All they had to do is change one thing, and we'll talk about that next week. Definitely. In my opinion, that's all my opinion, folks. That's all my opinion. You can very much well have your own opinion, and thank you for letting us know what they are. Just yeah. don't call me names. So join us <laughs> next week for Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, if you like the show, hit the like, hit the subscribe, hit the share. Check us out on YouTube, Rumble, and Facebook, and wherever you listen to podcasts. We will be there. And thanks for your comments, likes, and subscribes. Catch you next week. Have a good one.